0: This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ, in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Good morning, everyone. Recognize that. Not only us may uh, be able to hear this message this morning, but we want to welcome those who might, as we podcast, as we record our sermons, also want to welcome those who might uh, listen to our sermons online. And uh, as always, uh, as we stand up here and speak, we know the, the immense responsibility that it is to uh, explain and portray God's word correctly, as Cameron prayed this morning, that the things I say would be trustworthy. so I would always encourage you to weigh the things that I say or any of the speakers say. Always weigh it against God's Word and hold us accountable. So, uh, You know as we come here this morning, a lot of different people, a lot of different backgrounds and, and our weeks all look different. Some of us had really good weeks, maybe excellent weeks, and some of us maybe had some really struggles. And we all bring that here together this morning. And we try to worship God to the best of our ability. So what I want all of us to do is just is take all that the week brought and all that's gone in our lives and take a deep breath and just, like the guys have said this morning, just rest. Rest in God's Word and rest in the ability that we have to lift up our voices, to sing to Him, uh, to rest in the fact that we can meet here unencumbered, with no fear, now, there's a lot to be thankful for this morning. The fact that we're not dead, you know, that's good. Uh, so, a lot to be thankful for. So, I hope that we can rest as we study God's Word this morning, as we look briefly at some things that I've studied recently and that pricked my heart. And I just hope that, that it can encourage you as well. And we know that God's Word is indeed encouraging. So, I'm going to share with you a story that I heard recently. Um, I was fortunate enough to attend the pregnancy uh, medical center banquet with Derek and a few others. So I'm going to share briefly a story that this guy this guy stood at the podium for 45 minutes and gave his life basically his life story and he had a rough rough life story. I'm not going to go into all the details but I will. I'll share enough to where you can get the point hopefully. He lived in a grew up in a very rough home specifically his father was abusive to his mother verbally physically Um, he was not faithful to her and all these things were not hidden from this young man as he grew up he knew the deeds of his father he witnessed his his dad living a certain way and treating his mom a certain way so it wasn't hidden it wasn't as if his father was trying to hide his sinful nature and the acts that he did so this was his life imagine young people seeing your parents not get along or your dad mistreat your your mother this would this repetition of of lifestyle would start to affect you and it might as we can imagine might normalize how we view marriage or how we view um, being a father or a mother. So this was ingrained in him as he got older was that this was just standard protocol for how you treat women. And this was his mom. You know, I think he, he, he recognized it in, in the grain of him that it was, there was something that wasn't right but it was the only pattern that he had ever had. Well eventually his mom left because of the abuse and she began going to church and he lived with his mom at this point and so he began going to church so he 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 goes to this church and he's expecting this major change right so he goes from from a, a drug environment alcoholism to, and abuse to now he's involved in this church atmosphere and there's a man there who takes interest in his mom who's married and he soon sees this man and his mom spending a lot of time together and indeed form a relationship. And it's, it's somewhat hidden, but it's not hidden to him. He's aware of it. And so he asked the question in while he was speaking, and this is what I want to talk about this morning. He asked himself... I've, I've lived in this life where my dad mistreated my mom, and, and, he, and life was, was miserable, and it was supposed to look a certain way. And he says, I go to church, and I expect something different, and I get the same. And so he said, he, he, he couldn't see the advantage of church. He's, he said, what is the difference between the life that I lived outside of church and without God to this new life supposedly in church and with God? What was the difference? Was there a radical change that he could see and, and grab hold of? And the answer was no. And it pricked him. And so he thought to himself, well, what, what purpose? If the men of this church are no different than the men that I grew up around, then what's the point? So my question to us is this morning, are we radically different as a church than the world, radically different, noticeably different. I hope we say yes. I hope we have confidence in that. And I know all of you, not all of you, I just met the Holtz this morning. They seem pretty nice, though. Uh, I know most of you pretty well. And so I want you to know right off the bat, my fear was that you might feel as if this was an indictment of our congregation, of our church, and it's not. I know most of you very well, and I know the changes that have occurred in your lives. I know the sacrifices that you make. So this is by no means an indictment of our congregation or of your lives. That's not the point of this message. But what I want us to look at as we look at this is for each of us individually as husbands and fathers and and. Uh, children whatever the case may be what what is a radical change that you still need to make pick find an area in your life that needs to be radically different and i'm going to ho- hopefully go through some verses that will encourage you yeah we're going to look at verses i'm not just going to stand up here and talk so this sorry I'm going too fast okay So this word radical induces some feeling when you see it, probably, right? Our society, when we look at radical, we think of radical extremists. We think of terror groups. We think of people that march on uh, capitals and people that do this and that. Those are radical people. But are we afraid to be radically different for the cause of Christ? Noticeably, wildly different than the world for the glory of God. Another word that might induce some, some you know, squirming, some anguish is this, the word extremist. Would you like to be considered, would it bother you or offend you to be called an extremist? I would like to think that when people meet my family or when they meet our church family, that they see that, that we are extremely different. That when they step into the doors and they step in among us, that whether they like it or not, they may not like everything about us, but they see that we are different. And different not for the sake of being different, but sacred or different for the cause of Christ, for the glory of God. Noticeably different. So this idea of being radical or extreme has, has gotten tossed about in, in ways that has just kind of smeared it and turned it into a terrible thing. But I'm telling you this morning that we need to be radical in our change for Jesus we need to be extreme in our devotion and our dedication to him to the point of embarrassment if need be this next slide here is a picture of Dietrich Bonhoeffer who lived in Germany and uh, was a, a devout German and was a devout Christian in a time where it was not acceptable so I, I just want to share a few quotes with him, but I also want to dig in a little bit about Dietrich. Dietrich, <laughs> he was a very unique guy, very unique. And I admire this guy a lot. Dietrich was one of the first, and initially only, that stood up against Hitler and his regime. He took to the radio in, the, in the, the best way he could, in broadcasting a voice of opposition to Hitler, he took to the radio and put his life on the line right off the bat because he saw the writing on the wall of what would happen, what was starting to take place with the Jews. Dietrich He was not your typical person. He was willing to go where nobody else would go. He was willing to sacrifice things that other people would not out of fear. When we look at his character and his thoughts, they were typical Christian thoughts, but the difference was that he was willing to put them into action. He was willing to put his life on the line to stand for the things that he believed. And you know what his struggle was? You know, he eventually, if you know the story of Dietrich, he was uh, just a few weeks after the war had ended and the Germans were defeated, um, he was killed. He was killed for standing up against Hitler, and he gave his life for the the devotion, the the dedication to the church. He gave his life for it and it all started with that radio broadcast where he put himself out there and wasn't afraid he eventually was killed but he did so many other things along that path that led him to to being willing to die he sacrificed his life time upon time and gave of everything he had for other people continually he always sacrificed he always thought of others but he had this, you know. Here you have this this Christian man, and and, a, and a, put yourself in his shoes for a second. Christian man or Christian woman, and you see these things unfolding, and nobody else believes him. If I, this in this book, it goes into great depth about his life and his family, and and this process that he goes through. No, all his friends, for the most part, and, and those around him, his fellow theologians, those that were, and he was a highly intelligent man highly intelligent. Everyone else forsook him and was not willing to stand with him against Hitler and the regime. So he had in his mind thoughts of, well, am am I radical? Am I unreasonable? Imagine if you stood against a group of people or this man so much so that you know, he joined the resistance and actually uh, joined the group that uh, attempted to assassinate Hitler on multiple occasions. So he took his belief so strongly and his stance so strongly that he was willing to assassinate Hitler. And that's a huge jump for us, isn't it, right? We can stand against something morally. We can have an uh, objection to something. But to stand up against something so firmly that you'd be willing to try to... to uh, assassinate somebody to preserve or protect a group of people, is a, that's a big step. And he wrestled with some of those own thoughts in his mind. But at the end of the day, his, his thought process behind it was his fear of doing nothing was greater than his fear of doing the wrong thing. So I don't call us to this radical mindset of do anything for the cause of Christ or, or, or be, you know radical for the sake of being radical we have to be radical for the right reasons we have to temper ourselves and be wise and apply sound judgment to how we're radical but we need to be radical in the ways that jesus was radical and willing to sacrifice our lives for those same causes so let us not be radical and and people that will hear this message who knows what people will say that that church at almas they a bunch of extremists well i hope that we are extreme in the love that we have for people I hope that we could be accused of that. I hope that I can be accused of that. One of the quotes from Dietrich says, I have come to the conclusion that I made a mistake in coming to America. He left Germany because he was he was really highly sought after by many uh, religious organizations because of his ability. He was highly intelligent. Um, he was, he, his, he could speak well, he could write well, he could express information well. So he went to America, and he was young. He says, I must live through this difficult period in our national history with the people of Germany. He says, I will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of the Christian life in Germany after the war if I do not share the trials now with my people. You see, his devout devotion to the church and to his Christian beliefs forced him to go back into Nazi Germany and to suffer with his German people to suffer with the German church that, that's dedication that to me that's radical change he could have enjoyed a life of luxury as a theologian in the United States of America and lived his life out full good and well likely and he had every right to do so you know he was a great asset to the church so you know you ought to stay here right Dietrich and and live safely and securely and teach us this book goes into great detail on the wrestling that he had within. He could not leave the German people at this time. And he was willing to suffer and sacrifice his own life for this cause. That is radical. Are we that radical? Or we're willing to suffer and die and put ourselves out there for the cause of Christ, whatever the need be. We live in such a time of peace in the United States that we are lulled to sleep. But what if we were given this opportunity? Would we truly be radical enough to say, God, I stand with the church? That is radical change. Another quote from him, it says, Jesus Christ lived in the midst of enemies. At the end, of all, his, uh, at the end all his disciples deserted, deserted him. On the cross, he was utterly alone, surrounded by evildoers do- and mockers. For this cause he had come, to bring peace to the enemies of God, So the Christian, too, belongs not in the seclusion of a cloistered life, but in the thick of foes. He inspires me. Dietrich inspires me a great deal. We are not to hide in fear of being seen as radical. We don't need to hide our radical ideas about Jesus. We don't need to run from that and be afraid of it or what others think of us because of it. We need to go out there and live it and embrace it. We need to go out there and live it and show them what the love of Christ looks like and not be ashamed. So we're going to look at a few verses here. We're going to go through them pretty quickly. These are no new information to you, but I want to look at them from this perspective. I'll ask the question, must Christ followers be radically different? Are we called to be radically different. Do we owe that to God? And should we be expected to do that? Second Corinthians six fourteen through seventeen says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness, and what accord has Christ with Belial, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are sorry. For you are the temple of the living God As God has said I will dwell in them and walk among them I will be their God and they shall be my people Therefore come out, he says From among them and be separate Says the Lord Do not touch what is unclean And I will receive you Being different and radical And extreme and set apart from the world Is not an option for us It's not an option do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And verse 17, come out from among them and be separate. If we are not separate, then we're the same. We're exactly the same. And I know that we want to be separate. I know that we do. Again, this is not an indictment. <laughs> I love you all very much and appreciate the way that you have sacrificed so much to follow Christ, uh, and it inspires me a great deal. Not an indictment, just just an encouragement to examine your life, because uh, I find, as I look at my own life, I'm not like Dietrich, and making the decisions that he made wouldn't come as easily to me, and and for that I'd like to change. The next verse we look at is Ephesians. And in the opening verses of the fourth chapter in Ephesians, the apostle is dealing with, uh, you know, church stuff. The inward nature of the church and the part and the roles that Christians have to play within each other. And it's the operation and growth of the church. But as we fast forward here to verse 17, it changes and he, he takes that inward look at the church and he begins to look outward and how they compare to the world. So in, in we pick up in verse 17 of Ephesians 4. He says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. When he says Gentiles here, he's talking about unbelievers, the world, those apart from Christ. He says, you are not to walk in the same futility, that word meaning vanity or emptiness uh, or moral depravity. We are to walk in a completely different mindset. It starts with our mind and our actions follow. And he says, he calls them out to a completely different mindset. It says, having their understanding darkened, speaking of the world, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanliness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him... And have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you can put on the new man, which was created according to God. There is no, there is not much of a, a better change than than death to life, or old to new. And that's what we're called to, a newness of life. That means that we are completely transformed in every aspect of us. Must Christ's followers be radically different? 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. But if we love the world, then the love of the Father is not in us. If we have a sincere and strong desire for the things of this world, then we lack a severe and strong desire for the things of God. Let that be a caution for us. The things of the world could be safety, could be security, could be comfort. It could be um, not standing firm in what we know to be true out of fear, wavering. It could be a lot of little things. James 4 and 4 says, Adulterers and adulteresses, do not do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever there who whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So if 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 we inadvertently or out of caution or out of fear of being Labeled as a radical or extremist if we suppress our faith if we suppress the truth of Christ Then we're denying him We're standing in opposition to him And we're sending a pretty strong message to those around us of what we believe Jesus warned his disciples to keep this clear goal in mind about the importance to guard against competing loyalties. Remember what he said in Matthew 6? He says, No one can serve two masters, for you'll love the one and hate the other. You'll be devoted to one, and you'll despise the other. God knows that about us. So we have to be all in and willing to sacrifice everything. So what I want to look at now is this idea of being radically different can, can feel radically huge. It can feel overwhelming. Like, so I, you're telling me, Dane, I've got to stand in opposition to the government and get on the radio and, and put myself out there and, with my religious views and potentially risk my life. I, I, I think possibly that could happen, right? I mean, and hopefully that, if that, that opportunity or if that day came, that we would be, Radical enough to stand with Jesus at the point of death. But my point this morning is that radical change isn't radically complicated. And I hope this will be comforting to us. But it's also, it doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it easy, even though it's not complicated. So I want to draw our attention to a few verses that will I, it'll, it'll comfort us, but hopefully also hold us accountable. And so as you examine yourself this morning, and you, you raise your family radically different, right? You choose different things, you watch different shows. But kids, young adults, what are you doing that's radically different from the kids that you see in the world? Are you more like them or less like them? I mean... These are the answers that you have, the questions that you have to answer, the things that you have to look at and not be afraid to address. When your parents tell you to avoid certain things and you're ashamed because you don't get to do the things that your buddies do, there's a reason for it. We are to look different. We are to be different and to act different and to sound different because hopefully we are different. And we want all of us to be different. We want to be like Jesus because that's what the world needs. So we don't want to suppress what the world needs. We want to encourage and develop what the world needs is Christ and him living in us. So radically different isn't radically complicated. We don't all necessarily have to go out like Dietrich Bonhoeffer did. There's other ways to do it. Matthew 5 and 43 through 45 alludes to that. He says, Have you heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy? But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son uh, his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. This is radically different. You know, for us to be able to receive persecution or harsh judgment or criticism and to take it on the chin and, and bless, you know? to sit down with our kids and say, who, who are your enemies? Who, you know, and they, they, In their minds, it might be someone they got into a dispute with at church that day, right? But they're at odds against them at that time when we sit down and we pray together. Or do your kids see that when you're in opposition to somebody that you, you, you lose your cool and anger explodes towards them? Or do they see your patience and resolve and love continue even in that difficult situation? See, that's, that's a radical. That's a way that we can be radically different that isn't radically complicated. We as Christians expect and anticipate persecution and trouble. We anticipate the world standing in opposition to us because it did against Christ and His disciples. So it's our mindset as we as we anticipate this coming are we willing to love our neighbor are we willing to love those who mistreat us those who hate us those who despise us and make fun of us those who hurt our feelings those who take advantage of our kindness that's one way that we can be radically different it's not radically complicated again not easy but not complicated either. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully. That's like intentional stabbing. One of the things I hate is when people make comments that's like underhanded or like I call them stabs in the back. They're not, they don't come right out to your face and say it. They just stab you in the back like a little sharp, you know, like, hey, you know, got him. Over and over again until you just bleed out. I struggle with that. Well, that's what I think of when I think of this spitefully, this, this intentional little daggers to the back all the time. Do you, can you pray for those people? Do, do we mimic that? Do we do what is spoken of here in Matthew 5? Ephesians five twenty four through 25 says, Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. This is countercultural. This is not approved of in society. Wives, if you submit to your husbands, you are a rarity. It's a shameful thing for you to submit to a man. That's how the world looks at it. It's shameful. How dare he expect that? How dare you live your life that way? It's radical if you submit yourself to your husband wives. That's a radical idea. I'm not done with you yet, husbands. Phil's over here like, yeah, okay. I'm just kidding. Phil wasn't like that. Dwayne was, though. Carrie's not here. I'm just kidding. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Man, if we love our wives when they're not easily loved or when we feel like they don't deserve love, we're radically different. If we love them because of who they are in Christ and because God gave them to us, we're going to be radically different. So this is is a way that we can have radical change in our lives that's necessary and required for Christian spouses, but again, isn't complicated. Either we're doing these things or we're not. And our children see that we're doing these things or we're not. And we should be held accountable. So these are little areas that we can tweak. Little areas that we can examine our lives and say, Why? women, are you being subject to your husbands? Do you trust him? Do you support him? That's hard at times because we don't always deserve it. Certainly don't always deserve it. Men, do you, do you, are you committed to loving your wives no matter what? No matter what you face. No matter how difficult it can be at times. We can be radically different if we can fulfill these things. And, and it can be huge impact, not just in your family and in your home, but as a church. It can be radically different. Another way is in Philippians 2, 14 through 15. It says, do all things without complaining and disputing. This is, kind of seems like out in left field. kind of seems strange. But look at what it continues to say, is that you may become blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault in what? In the, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you can shine as lights in the world. So he says here that if you want to shine as lights in the world, then what do you have to do? I mean, He could have picked any. There's a multitude of things. But he says, do all things without complaining and disputing. So it's important, obviously, for us as Christians, if we want to be radically different from the world and to stand out as bright lights that shine in a world of darkness, then we must not complain. If we are of a complaining spirit, our heart, then we are not different than the world. We are just like it. I know we want to stand out in this way. I know we want to be different. Do all things without complaining and disputing. We ought to look different as a church because although we're a lot different than each other, when we come together, we're not disputing. We're here to honor and worship God. That, and, that, and I'm proud of that. I know that's t- true. I'm very proud of that. I'm proud to uh, be able to be here with you. Um, because I, I, that's a fact. I'm very proud of that. Do all things without complaining and disputing, and we should be bright lights in a dark world. Matthew sixteen twenty-four through 26 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever desires to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profits a man if he is to gain the whole world, but to lose his soul. We all know this verse very well, the, the deep concept here. But again, radically, being radically different isn't radic- radically complicated. We have to deny ourselves. Every day we have to wake up purposefully for Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer did that over and over again. He, he took this group of, of young men that, were, that, that had, had teachers upon teachers that had all left because they could not They could not train these boys to be anything but misfits. And Dietrich came in and poured his life into these young men and transformed them. And and it took Dietrich self-sacrifice and committal to Jesus to be able to give up his comfort and his desires in dealing with these these weapons of chaos (laughs) that, that these unruly young boys could be they would wreak havoc on their teachers and Dietrich was warned but Dietrich went in anyways and I hope that we'll go in and deny ourselves and take up that cross which taking up your cross looks like a whole lot of different things for us individually but we must deny ourselves must be willing to lose our lives must be willing to lose our lives Radically different isn't radically complicated. Mark 9:35 says, And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, This was after they had disputed, you know, who, who gets to be the best here. I mean, we're all good, but one of us is the best. One of us is favored. Jesus' response was, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all, the servant of all. If you want to be radically different in, in our culture, in today's society, be a servant. If you're not willing to serve, you're not willing to lay down your life. And you're not a follower of Christ. Not to, the, not to the depth that we're called to. If you want to be radically different, serve your spouse. Serve your children. Serve the church. Serve those who don't deserve to be served. You know, If we, if we hold up this you don't have a right to be served you don't have a right you don't deserve for me to serve you don't you don't deserve for me to be below you well then we're missing the boat as Christians we are called to pray for those who despitefully use us to serve those who take advantage of us and we we are okay with that that's a whole you see how that's radically different than the world I mean the ra- the world tells us to avoid conflict at all costs it tells us you worry about you first and then if you have any energy left over, you can take care of those around you. As Christians, we're radically different. God says, pour yourself out and then I'll fill you back. And that's, that is radical, guys. It is radical. So as you think about how you can be radically different, pick one area of your life that you could improve on and that you say, I want to make a radical change in this area. And being a servant can be one of the most powerful as we look at these beautiful penguins, you don't see much. As matter of fact, as I look at that, we went to a zoo recently, and all the penguins are out there and waddling and, and whatever noises they're weird make. But, uh, and they've got their suits on and stuff looking good. But it's like, how in the world do they recognize each other from one another? Like, they, that guy looks just like that one. I mean, it's crazy. So as I pose this picture, I wonder, when the world looks at us, do we look any different? Do, do we just blend right in? And uh, Let me ask you this to your heart. Are we afraid to look different? Are we clinging to some, some sense of, of normalcy or of, of a guardedness to be different? Are we afraid of that? I think sometimes we wrestle in our minds with how radically different we should be, and that's okay. We, we just want to make sure that we're being radical in the way that Jesus was radical, and always making sure that that's our motivation as well. And not that we are radical to make a stand and to be a, a strong voice, because at times Jesus' is radically different voice wasn't an, an overarching uh, uh, scream. It was a quiet, loving, that, that made him so different. So being radically different doesn't mean that we, we are some boisterous you know, voice that always stands in opposition to everything. It means that our character is different and the world sees it. And, that, and, and I think with that, with Jesus, it changed people's lives. And I think that our lives have the power to change lives as well, if Jesus is alive and well within us. So I ask this question, do you blend in with the world? As you go out into your work or into school, um, do, do you just blend in? Is our goal to blend in? Is it just to fit in and look like everybody else out of fear? I've asked myself this question, and in some ways I have a lot of work to do. I ask myself what holds me back, what binds me from answering this call with complete fullness and living radically as Jesus taught. Life is short. We're not far from death. I know that's not the most pleasant thing you wanted to hear this morning, but it's reality, and we want to live this life well, and we don't want to live with fear. We want to be bold for Christ. Bonhoeffer's central theme in the way that he lived and the way that he taught and everything that he did was that once we give our lives to Christ and enlist as disciples in his church, we are called to active and costly grace. Grace that that may cost us something, that may cost us our lives, may cost us our comfort, but we do it in service to God for the glory of him and for others Dietrich to me this quote from him sums up his whole life and it sums up my message pretty well he says not to speak is to speak and not to act is to act i want us to take a deep soak that in for a second and understand how our how what that means in our lives There's a story about Henry Ward Beecher who was an early uh, American congressionalist. When he was a boy, he was in school and the teacher asked one of the boys a question and the boy stood up. The boy answered the question. The teacher got angry at the boy and said, "Sit down." The boy was had this confused look on his face and he sat down. So the teacher went to the next boy and asked and the boy answered. With anger the teacher said, "You sit down." And the guys are all like, what is going on here? So he gets to Beecher and asks the same question. And he gives the same answer. And he was told promptly to sit down. Beecher did not sit down, however. Beecher continued to stand. And for a few minutes or for a few moments, this teacher stormed at Beecher as if, like, with anger, was going to let him know that he needs to sit down. But halfway down the aisle, he stopped and he smiled. And he said, you all had the right answer. (laughs) Every one of you answered the right answer. But Beecher was the only one that believed it enough to stand for it. And I hope that as we live our lives, as we go out and battle daily and grind, that we too at all costs are willing to stand for something that we believe in so wholeheartedly no matter what opposition comes our way again this is not this is me saying I recognize the type of people you are and appreciate it in my life greatly examine yourselves to see if there's an area that you can improve like I have not improve like I have but examine yourself like I have okay that's the goal and, and make a radical change in your life if there's an opportunity. And let's not be afraid of the opposition. Let's, let's go and serve. Let's do God's will. This is the lesson this morning. It's yours. Appreciate you and hope it's been helpful.